Hi, this is Suparna Goswami, Principal Correspondent with Information Security Media Group. I have with me today Steve Marshall, CISO and Head of Cybersecurity at Bytes Software Services. He will be talking about the impact of quantum computing on encryption. Welcome, Steve, to the ISMG discussion. Morning, Suparna. So, Steve, there has been a lot of talk of late about encryption, end-to-end encryption and everything. But uh, the discussion we had the other day, you said quantum computing probably has the power to break encryption keys. So could you kindly elaborate a bit on that? Quantum computing is not the same as classical computing. It's, it's very different. It, it, it uses atoms to, uh, to, to work out problems. And it's really great at breaking asymmetric problems like mathematical problems that classical computing struggles with to, to break. There's a big arms race going on at the moment in terms of who can build the first quantum computing with enough power in order to solve a large large mathematical equations, large, very, very complex tasks like encryption. Now, as, as everybody's probably aware, there are two types of encryption that are in use today, symmetric encryption and asymmetric encryption. Now, quantum computers will affect both, but they'll affect it in very, very different ways. You may well ask, actually, why is this important? When you think about it today, across the internet, we use public key infrastructure, we use asymmetric encryption in order to share information. And once quantum computers get to the point where they've got what are called 400 qubits, now a qubit is basically an atom, and it allows you to fix code in a, in all four states at the same time. So at the moment, as probably most people are aware, when you code, it's a one or it's a zero. It's in one state or it's in the other. With a qubit, it allows it to be in four states at exactly the same time. So one, zero, one and zero, and those types of things all at the same time. Therefore, you can decode data immediately as you see it. So this potentially places all of the data that we have encrypted today at risk and all of the data that we transfer across the internet at risk. Why is this a major problem? Well, if you think about it, you know, we rely on cryptography to prevent people decoding our credit cards or, you know, protecting highly sensitive data that we share. And quantum computers are going to have a major, major influence on, on all of these things. Now, at the moment, most encryption relies on one of three hard mathematical problems. And these are the integer factorization problem, the discrete logarithmic problem and the elliptical curve discrete logarithmic problem. What I am is an information security professional and therefore I need to know, okay, what are the impacts going to be on quantum computing? What happens when they get to a suitable enough power? So at the moment, quantum computers have about 72 qubits of quantum information. That means effectively you can think of it like 72 parallel lanes of data that they can crack at the same time. Now, in order to crack things like RSA, 2048-bit public key cryptography, you require about 400 qubits of power. So it's only a matter of time before quantum computers get to the point where they've got enough power in order to be able to crack RSA and, and other asymmetric cryptography instantly on the wire. So Steve, I wanted to check how much is this a viable option as of now? If if like everybody else, you're kind of sitting there thinking, you know, this is a bit of science fiction at the moment, you're kind of partly right. To run a quantum computer, it's about $100,000 an hour at the moment. So then they're not really a massively viable commercial or you know assault based technology yet however as as everybody knows about Moore's law computing speed doubles every eight months and it's it's largely the same with you know things like quantum 
computing. It's it's been around for a, for quite a long time. People have been researching it since since the 70s and, and 80s. And the speed and power is increasing. And probably within the next five to ten years, it will really get to the point where encryption will be able to be broken on the fly. Now, as I said, you know, one of the things you need to think about is that's not just the breaking of of data that's going across the internet that's that's protected by TLS or or in some cases SSL, but it's also data that's been captured. Against this backdrop, Steve, what are the categories of post-quantum cryptography that researchers are studying currently? So, as I said, quantum-resistant quantum cryptography has actually been around for a very long time. People were studying quantum cryptography and quantum-resistant algorithms and public key encryption and digital signature schemes that they believe to be quantum-safe. They've existed since the late 1970s. And at the moment, researchers are, are spending a lot of time focused on, actually, what do we have to do in order to make a an algorithm or an encryption technology safe against quantum. And there are two things in reality in regards to this. There's Everybody's looking at different variants. We have things like lattice-based cryptography, multivariate cryptography, hash-based cryptography, code-based cryptography, super-singular elliptical curve, isogeny cryptography, and symmetric key quantum resistance. Now, interestingly, what they found is that symmetric cryptography today, as it is today, using the current schemes that we've got, like AES-128 and, and these kind of things, yeah, are susceptible to quantum computers and decryption. However, what they've also found is that by doubling the encryption strength that we have with symmetric key cryptography today would actually render it quantum safe in a quantum computer world. So one of the things that, that they're really spending quite a lot of time researching is symmetric key cryptography actually may be quantum safe, but we need to double its its encryption status. So going from 128 to 256, probably more likely to, you know, to 512, AES 512 in order to, to cover problems. But what they've also found, surprisingly, is that things like Kerberos security deployed within, you know, things like Microsoft technology for a cryptographic key exchange and those kind of things actually also appears to be to be quantum safe as well, as does things like the 3GPP mobile network authentication structure that's in use by most of the mobile phone carriers and providers today. The other areas are looking at things like, you know, how do we make what do we replace RSA, DSA, and other Diffie-Hellman and these kind of things with that we use today for VPN technology, key exchange, signing, and that's really where the you know where most of the research is at the moment. Okay, so as I was reading about this topic, I came to know that encryptions like lattice cryptography is resistant to quantum computing. So what makes this unbreakable, and can more keys like this be developed? So lattice-based cryptography, IBM have been researching lattice-based cryptography for quite a long time now, and it's been it's been around for, for quite a while. What they found was that when they started to develop lattice-based cryptography, they found that it was really easy for a, for a quantum computer to be able to break it using something called Gaussian elimination. However, what they found was that if you made the equation noisy, i.e. you made it difficult and you made the matrices that it relied on large enough, then the problem becomes surprisingly difficult for a for a quantum computer to break. So problems related to what they call a subset sum and a learning parity, and with the noise, it's been widely studied since 
since the 1980s been very well tested and currently hasn't succumbed to any algorithmic attack either by a classical or by the quantum computers we have today. The biggest problem when they started looking at these things was that they were very inefficient and instead of messaging an overhead that was you know, a few bytes or a few K. In order to to do this, you had the actual construct of, of packing out the, the encryption came into megabytes, which made it exceptionally inefficient, had a massive overhead, therefore required lots of bandwidth, was very, very slow, and actually wasn't going to be a usable, a usable technology at all. So the combination is with lattice-based cryptography is that they've really worked on things like reducing the size, making the overhead a lot smaller, making it faster. And actually, it's interesting today that lattice-based cryptography has already been successfully plugged into TL and internet key exchange or IKE protocols. The biggest problem today with the deployment of, of this style of quantum resistant encryption is that very few people are likely to abandon what they've got today. Quantum computers aren't here yet at a point where you know they're widespread they're mainstream so actually why would you why would you abandon today's cryptography for something that's different and unproven the other problem that you have is that whenever you deploy new technology as we always know there are growing pains and IT professionals can't afford to make small mistakes especially when you're talking about cryptography and encrypting information for its protection therefore putting in a you know a largely unknown technology that people don't understand is is going to be difficult it's going to be difficult to justify. It's certainly going to be difficult to to prove, you know, if you're in a regulated environment to a regulator that it's it's gone through sufficient testing, that actually it's appropriate, that you can't break it using simple means, that it's that it has all the regulatory compliance that it needs in order to do this. The other big problem is that unless manufacturers actually start supporting and then implementing quantum resistant encryption within its technology, widespread usage won't come about. I think it's going to take some time. And that that really worries me. So Steve, finally, what is the progress that you are seeing being made when it comes to building quantum resistant keys? Are our organization actually <laughs> focusing their energy in this area? Yeah, I think there's there's a few things that people need to know, really, I think, in, in this area. Within certainly the next 10 years, and it could even be as low as the next five years, quantum computing will be a reality. And those quantum computers will have enough qubits in order to be able to break all of the standard encryption that we have today in terms of asymmetric encryption and they'll affect and be able to decode you know the current AES cryptography mechanisms to fish and these kind of things that we use today unless we actually start to plan for this now it may actually be already too late anybody that requires state confidentiality of, of more than more than 10 years at this stage absolutely needs to be implementing quantum resistant cryptography now this is important because that data will be able to be decoded and i think the likes of ibm the likes of fujitsu and, and siemens and microsoft and google and all these all these kind of guys that that are running you know, quantum computers really need to to start explaining, you know, quantum and cryptography and quantum resistant cryptography in ways that people can understand. Hopefully I've, you know, I've, I've kind of given an overview today. It, as I said, it gets very, very complex very, very quickly. And I think the big thing is that, that we need solutions rolled out into mainstream technology quickly. There needs to be a lot more education in terms of people and understanding in order to understand why it's going to be important to start, you know, increasing the the encryption strength for what we have today. So, you know, if you're running AES, yeah, absolutely 
increase the encryption strength of it so that it becomes more quantum resistant. We need to start seeing things like lattice-based technology being used and widespread support from the manufacturers of, of standard SSL certs. I mean, I remember it took them ages to move from MD5 to SHA-1. It then took them even longer to move from SHA-1 to SHA-256 when we found out that the, both of those technologies were compromised and they only changed after they were known to be compromised. I think a lot more proactive requirements are required. A lot more research is required. A lot more education really is required so that people understand why this is important. And when they understand why it's important, they can then start to drive the manufacturers into making these publicly available. Well, thanks a lot, Steve, for sharing your thoughts on quantum computing and encryption. No problem. Thanks very much. Hopefully everybody enjoyed it. You were listening to Steve Marshall for ISM Indonesia. This is Suparna Goswami. Thank you for listening.